dear friends in Christ, what images come to your mind when you hear the word contentment? Excessive wealth or popularity, fame, signing autographs, a leisurely vacation on a pristine Florida beach, perhaps owning a multi-million dollar house in the Hamptons. Whatever your images of contentment, I can almost guarantee that they will not include the image of a smelly, damp, dark, rat-infested prison. And yet that was the setting in which Paul the Apostle wrote these words from Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13. He said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. In these remarkable words, the Apostle Paul teaches many lessons about finding true contentment, but in the time allotted to us, here are just three. First, true contentment is a secret. I have learned the secret of being content, he said. But how can that be true? Every year, more than 100 million Bibles are sold, and every Bible contains Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, and this same secret of contentment. The Greek word that the Apostle Paul used for secret is the source of our English word mystery. In other words, contentment through our Lord Jesus Christ remains an inexplicable mystery, confusion to people, until minds and hearts are illuminated by the Holy Spirit of God. They can know about this secret, they can hear it, they can read it in giant-sized print, but they just don't understand it. Instead, they go on thinking that contentment comes from a shelf at Walmart or Macy's or from inserting a crisp dollar bill into a lottery vending machine. In this materialistic world of ours, the constant drumbeat of, I have to have more, I have to have more, has really robbed us of a sense of what basic necessities are. Like the story of the grandmother who was visiting her granddaughter for the first time at her new and spacious house. The grandmother was watching the granddaughter scurry about the kitchen, the pots and pans, and she said, Dear, isn't there anything in this kitchen that you can't do without? And the granddaughter thought for a moment and said, Well, I guess I'd have to say the microwave. And the grandmother said, Oh, I might have said water. The basic necessities of life, which is the reason that Paul wrote, Having food and clothing... We'll be content with that. Second, true contentment has to be learned. Paul emphasized this twice. He said in verse 11, I have learned to be content. He said in verse 12, I have learned the secret. Learned. 
And there are so many great theological truths contained in that single word, learned. Contentment is not inherent in human beings. It has to be learned. Contentment is not passed down, inherited. It has to be learned. Contentment cannot be purchased. It has to be learned. Contentment is not instant, like a scratch-off lottery ticket. It has to be learned. And learning is a process. We learn contentment every time we learn from the Holy Scriptures. And the more we learn from the Holy Scriptures, the more content we will be. Paul wrote in Romans 15, verse 4, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Hope. That's what God wants us to have. Hope, joy, peace, godly confidence. Not a, oh, my life is so rotten attitude, but rather an attitude of, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. And in Scripture, we learn that God has made provision for our contentment in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, not halfway, partway, but all the way to the full. And in Christ, we not only find perfect contentment, but we also find the perfect example of contentment. Can you name me even one time when Jesus selfishly demanded anything for himself? Can you name me one instance in which Jesus complained about a meal or a single act of ingratitude or anything else, an infringement on his time? You can't because you won't find it. Instead, what we find in Scripture is in Jesus such a perfect trust and such perfect contentment in his heavenly Father that even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was sweating great drops of blood, when he knew what was lying ahead, the pain, the suffering, the crucifixion, Jesus still said, My Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What was he saying? My Father... I'm content with whatever you decide for my life or for my death. And it's this same Jesus who calls each of us to the perfect contentment of knowing him by faith, of entrusting our lives to the care of Almighty God. Jesus told us not to worry. He told us not to be afraid. He told us not to give up, but to press on in faith. He told us to never doubt but instead to believe. And in that belief that we would see the glory of God displayed in our individual lives. And Jesus told us, Come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. To heed this invitation, his invitation, is to find perfect contentment. Understand that Paul the Apostle had to learn contentment himself. And one of his classrooms was that damp, dark, smelly, rat-infested prison. Were the lessons painful? Yes. Did they hurt? Yes. Did he enjoy suffering? No. But he was no armchair theologian writing about contentment from a comfortable, air-conditioned study. He was a prisoner for the sake of Jesus Christ. And he had chains biting at the skin of his ankles and wrists. And yet in that setting, he said, 
I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content. Third, and lastly, while true contentment is learned through circumstances, true contentment is never based on circumstances. And that's vastly different from the opinion of the world where contentment is always based on circumstances. How many times have you heard a conversation like this one? Hey, Tom, how you doing? And Tom says, oh, I'm great. I graduated from school. I got a job paying 65000 a year. And, and Marilyn and I are going to be getting married soon. Well, that's wonderful, Tom. You look content. And Tom says, I am so content. Here's my question. How content would Tom be if he never graduated? How content would Tom be if he lost his $65,000 a year job? How content would Tom be if suddenly Marilyn turned to him and said, Tom, I don't love you anymore. That is precisely why contentment cannot be based on situations. Otherwise, it will be situational. The contentment that Paul spoke of in Philippians chapter 4 is not based on circumstances. In fact, he says this twice. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, verse 11. And in verse 12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So what is that secret of contentment? Paul answered this question in Philippians 4 verse 13. And in doing so, he gave us perhaps one of the most important pieces of information that we'll ever know or pass on to our children. And to think that he did this in the middle of a four-chapter thank you note. And to think that he did this in a damp, dark, smelly, rat-infested prison. This is what he said. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I don't know. Maybe we should underline that in our Bibles. And maybe we should print out the verse in big, bold, capital letters. And maybe we should hang it on our wall or maybe the room of our dorm or maybe in a hospice or a hospital. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. That is the secret of contentment. And that is the lesson we desperately need to learn. Someone once said, I'm paraphrasing, Placing everything into the right hands really matters. In my hands, a basketball is worth about $20. In the hands of Michael Jordan, it's worth millions. In my hands, a staff can help me walk. In the hands of Moses, it parted the Red Sea through the power of God. And in my hands, nails can build a birdhouse. But in the hands of Jesus Christ, nails resulted in salvation for the whole world. So place your dreams, your desires, your goal, place your school year into the capable, crucified hands of our Lord Jesus Christ, and you will find true contentment. Amen. Our hymn is 655, I Pray Thee, Dear Lord Jesus.